Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Good morning, church. Now, here at the soundstage, things feel very different today, and that's because last week we had our people here, plus, when I say our people, that very thin team, plus a ton of visitors. This week, school started, the visitors are gone, and half of our people who don't have kids have fled. Uh, So... We generally, if ever you wonder, and we always have room for you, we always do, because the team here is very thin. We run maybe 20 as a rule, sometimes mid-20s, sometimes a wee bit less, and I think we're a wee bit less today if we counted all the the bobs and bits as we go through, but um, there's room for you, and we know you're there because I was watching you sign in quite a bit. In fact, my wife is not with us today because school starts a wee bit later in Charleston, South Carolina, and she's visiting a couple of grands out there. And I'm not jealous at all. But this week is a welcome home tour through Ohio, from west to east, um, and then a bit south. Tomorrow night in Dayton, if you don't know about this, check us out on our Facebook page, our website, or send an email to info at rsafeharbor.com. We'll give you all the details. Tomorrow night, it's in the Dayton-Vandalia area. That just means the north side of, of Dayton. Uh, on Tuesday night, there's not an event because I'm, I'm already committed to Ohio State University. I'm not watching a game. I'm teaching. Uh, but Wednesday evening, I'll be done with that class. So in Columbus, Wednesday. And then Cambridge is what we're calling it because that's where the hotel is that you're not coming to. But Cambridge, anybody in Ohio knows where Cambridge is. Uh, and it's not the, where the university is. Um, this outside of Cambridge is a little crossroads called Bysville, where we have a lot of friends. And Mark Barros, one of our favorite guys, he is a minister there. And the elders have given us their senior center. holds about 100. So we're going to be there on Thursday night and then Friday night down in south central Ohio in Circleville. So again, if you need more information, email us or check the website or Facebook page. Oh, and that said, I look over and I see Rick. Thank you for tuning in to the Wednesdays, uh, the Just Jesus stories there in our midweek Bible class. Rick, um, I think they're tuning in to see you, not me, because our numbers were quite high this week and well done, even though we went way long. This week, we only go a bit long. (laughs) After this week, Dave got a clock. And um, we, we didn't have to hire somebody. Many volunteers point at the clock furiously. So, but we'll go a bit longer. But it's so good to have you here and to see the warm welcome you're getting online. Uh, and then our long-form Monday morning message got over 1,200 views so far just on YouTube. So that kind of blew us away. We're back to short tomorrow, but we are going to do some long forms. You're writing in and suggesting. Thank you. We want to know what you're hungry for. While it's hard to see you at a distance, uh, sometimes, as Mary Alice talks about, 
you can write us and tell us what you need. You can let us know, and we love to respond. It's what we do. It's a real community. So I want to start today by teaching you a Yiddish word that some of you may not know. Most of you should have heard it in your life, called chutzpah. Now, chutzpah is, it's a little hard to explain in English, but it would be like me going to explain to one of my grandsons how to hold a basketball. I don't know how to hold a basketball. They know how to hold a basketball. They, they go to bed with a basketball. They wake up with one. So the chutzpah of me telling them I know more. Chutzpah would be me walking up to some, well, if I see a car beside the road and the hood's up, me pulling in and saying, well, <coughs> need me have a look? That would be not only chutzpah, it would also be futile because I have no idea of what's in there. There was one time, I know this sounds like a preacher story, but it's a once in a lifetime event. I have to tell the story that my wife and I were driving and there was a car off the side of the road and this is pre-internet days and pre-cell phone days and I just kept going and she said, aren't you going to stop? I said, no. She said, why not? And I said, did you know see the bumper sticker? It said, I'd rather push a Ford than drive a Chevy. He's pushing the Ford. The man's happy. Uh, I, who am I? But she made me circle back. That said, here I am, a man who has very publicly struggled with prayer and how and why and the effects of prayer and, and probably always will. I'm going to talk to you about prayer today. And you might think, well, the, the, the chutzpah, Patrick, maybe, maybe, but hang in there. There might be something of value to learn from somebody who struggles with prayer how to pray. We have a prayer team here at our Safe Harbor Church and several members here and several of our remote members, and you can join them. They, they read our prayer wall. They join in prayers. We do follow-ups on the prayer wall. The prayer wall is available easily on our app. If you are on your laptop, you can see the little cell phone icon on the top right. Click it. It takes you right through the app. If we could always use more prayer warriors if you'd like to join us there. And that's just prayer at OurSafeHarbor.com. But then there are a lot of us that don't, and I'm part of the prayer team, but there are a lot of you out there that don't feel like prayer warriors. Have you heard of that? People say, we need our prayer warriors. And I'm going, and I'm out, Cammy. You know, jump in there. And it's not because I don't want to pray. It's because I think prayer warriors, well, uh, Dave Cassily and I sat at a table outside this week in the boiling heat, mind, talking to a, a man who loves to pray and talks about he and two others getting together and praying all night. And then, you know, six hours in intercession over here. And I'm going, you know, in two minutes, I've really delivered what I needed. And I don't know what to do after that. There are prayer warriors out there and we can use them, but we can also use the people that struggle. I've done some Monday morning messages about prayer over the last two years, and I don't want to go over that same ground. So I'm just going to say you can go there and search. Little tip for some of you that don't use YouTube a lot. When you go and you find our channel, thank you, subscribe, share, hit like, um, all of that's super, super important to us. But if you want to search, you don't use the top address bar. There's down below, there's another small one off to the right. Use that one because that just searches our site and you won't get all the others. So you can look for the prayer ones there if you'd like. I just want to look at what Jesus actually says here. And when you do that, 
kind of slows you down a bit and makes you do some thinking. Well, in Matthew 6, first of all, verses 5 through 8, there's that whole inside-outside theme again. Did you, did you notice that when Bob read the scripture? And I love Bob and his wife and, and that team up in Spokane. They're great people. That inside-outside, when you pray, don't do it like the religious people. That's what he meant when he said the Pharisees. They get out in public and are making a show of we're praying and praying and praying. Well, he wants you to spread his kingdom, but that's not going to do it. That's not what he wants. How does the king want you to spread the kingdom? If you're watching this, if you're reading these, the, these, these three chapters in Matthew and then going over it again in Luke, you find that God really has a preferred method of how to spread the kingdom and making a whole bunch of noise on the street corner doesn't do it, neither does, acting as if, um, even if you are deeply committed to Christ, being loud about it in public is not what he's looking for. He doesn't want the grand, the public displays, but personal holiness, connection to the Father, and in loving and serving others. And it's a lot easier to do a public display. And God says, no, that's not what I'm going for. I cannot help but think of the grand and great displays of Christianity. We can think of cathedrals. I absolutely adore walking through cathedrals. And those that aren't called cathedrals anymore, but chapels or the like, yeah, I, I love walking through there. Uh, I read a comment on Twitter from a, an architect that talked to his father, who was an architect as well and retired. And they walking through a cathedral. He looked up and he says, why don't we build anything like this anymore? And his father says, because we can't. We don't know how. We've lost that It'll take us four generations to build this, but we are committed to understanding this and moving millimetrically to the great display. I love that. I love, of the, I love the, uh, the stained glass windows that tell the stories because that's what stained glass windows were all about, really, was to tell the story to people who did not own Bibles because they were very hard to find or those who were illiterate. And so it illustrated the path and the stories. If you know that, you can actually walk around in a particular direction and see the unfolding of Scripture. I love that. I grew up in a church that rejected all of that. I'll never forget when um, the church where my father worked bought an old Methodist building, and one of the first things they did was whiteboard over all the stained glass windows. And I'm going, can't let anything be pretty here. You know, that, that, that's dangerous. Most churches don't do that. But think about it. The church isn't about big parades. It isn't about big events. It isn't about street preaching. And it's not about cathedrals, although those all have value. Think about this. Do you remember when the Billy Graham Crusades just rocked North America and Europe? Absolutely. Prime time. I don't know which networks they would be in the States, you know, NBC, C CBS, or the like. Prime time would devote hours to this. Big time thing. In uh, Britain, where you don't do religious broadcasting as such, uh, they have a prayer at the end of the day and such. When the, the TV goes off, yes, the TV goes off. Um, on Not all the channels anymore. You're talking to an ancient man. 
But they would, they would show, this made the news. We thought that meant a coming tidal wave. They did good. They did a lot of good. You're never going to hear me disparage these. But they're not there now. And they wouldn't attract if you tried. Promise keepers, remember that? That, was, that looked like that was going to take over all the men everywhere. And it did for a while. And it did good. But it kind of petered out. Now, in the tribe where I was raised, some of our people started bus ministries. And that was going to change the world. And it did change the world for thousands of people. But it didn't maintain. Why don't these things keep going? Well, you learn something after a while if you pay attention. Everything born of man's imagination dies. Everything. I'm looking at artificial intelligence and what that's going to do. One of my jobs for a major university is to read a ton of studies because that's the only gift I've got is I can read fast and I remember what I read and I can put them together. Uh, and then to basically give a book report a few times a year to different groups of scientists. I love doing it. I'm looking at AI thinking, within a year, I'm out of a job. Because they don't need that. And that's fine. I've got like six other jobs. But that's, things change. What is it that doesn't change? God wants you to move things inside where they will not change, but they will grow slowly, building our cathedrals of faith through generations his way. If you try with the events, the parades, the, uh, the, the big deals on telly or the, the cathedrals, you breed a culture of invite instead of go. We were commanded to go and we turned it into invite. Come and see the event. Come and see the speaker. Come and see. I'm, I'll never forget going up to Ash Flat, Arkansas. And I know a lot of you are right now thinking, whoa, does the glitter never end? But it's, it's a small community, way small community in northwest Arkansas. And as I was driving in, they had billboards with my picture on it that I was going to be speaking. And I thought, first of all, that's freaky. Uh, I'd never seen my picture up on billboards before. Second, do they have immigration offices anywhere in the area? That was frightening as well. But I don't really want the billboards. Um, but again, this invite, come and see. All of that's good. All of that does good. But God didn't call us to invite. He called us to go and be. Because if you go and be, you will eventually do. We don't do things to be saved. We're saved so we do things. So I'm not talking about works salvation here. But instead of getting in among the people and getting dirty while you serve them and love them, we turn church into the establishment of an edifice, a brick and mortar, showing signs of life, and then inviting others to join us. That works sometimes for a limited amount of times. In the dark ages, churches that did that failed to grow, and many shut down or were taken apart by Vikings or the Rus or whatever were coming in that section of the country. Only the Irish churches still planted churches. And Thomas Cahill goes through this <coughs> excuse me, in great detail, 
in a wonderful little book called How the Irish Saved Civilization. Because as the lights were going out all over Europe, with, again, the invasions of others, you had the Mongols, you had the Vikings and the like, the Irish didn't go build churches. They sent a team into villages that would look around, Mary Alice and Jaime, and see what was needed and work. They would build their houses, not the houses for the team, but the people. They would improve their sanitation. They would teach them how to deliver babies safely. They would do all of this for them. And while they were doing this, others joined them naturally. And the phrase, the magic phrase is that they belonged before they believed. They were called into this loving, graceful group that was not tied to a place that didn't say, come here and learn how to meet our standards, but rather went out there and said, how may we best serve you today? And only those churches for several hundred years grew. A lot of people don't know their history. What was going on with the other churches? It wasn't just invasions. Because they were comfortable and fairly wealthy, they had time to argue with each other. And churches in the East and the Middle East argued with each other so much, many of them even allied themselves with a new Islam faith to attack their fellow Christians. And Christianity failed and fell into nearly oblivion in those nations. All of it because... We thought the grand display was what God wanted. We thought God wanted us to call people into conformity with our interpretation of Scripture, that they would then think the right way, about the right way to do things and the right way to believe. And it has always astonished me that we are far more interested in what people believe about God than in how they are living for Him. I think something there is very, very wrong God is not impressed in this passage by the multiplication of words. Longer prayers, okay, and longer sermons don't impress him. It, there used to be, <clears throat> in America, not so much in Britain, they would do some of this, but uh, preachers would come in, and if it was in Britain, they were bringing in somebody from America, uh, a seven-day meeting where the churches that all agreed with each other basically would gather at one church and invite their neighbors to hear the sermons. <clears throat> well, they'd go for seven days. When I was a boy, I heard, I've never experienced this, and I'm rather grateful, that there used to be two-week meetings, and that some would go a month. Now, was good done without question? I, absolutely. So should we do that today? You know something? To answer that question, I'd like for you to remember the pictures you used to see in your school books about a man and a woman, pioneer farmer, let's say in Kansas or Iowa, in the plains. They're standing there in front of a house made of dirt, a sod house. Did they look happy? <laughs> they looked like they were drugged behind the I've had a miserable life truck. And they're just... But you know something? The divorce rate was near zero because you didn't have options. Now, when we do a week-long meeting, do people have options today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. I don't know how many times 
people have told me when I was going to go speak somewhere, oh, I can't be there then. They'll, they'll put it online, right? Well, no. If it belongs to a university or a law enforcement group or a military group, no, whatever I say is their property. And they paid for it. And so they get to use it. They're not going to put it online. But churches will say, well, we'll put it online. And people say, cool. Then they don't go. That's all right. Because that's where we are now. A lot of you are watching us go live. Or most of you watch during the week. Cool. We understand. The grand display is not going to do it. We're moving this inside where he told us it should be anywhere if you pray and we must pray with substance and meaning it doesn't have to be long jesus says that his king his he as king doesn't want us babbling like pagans you and i don't get to see that very often but i've i've been in, in some places where the culture was everybody's praying at the same time and it gets really confusing to me and being an introvert by nature it is actually nerve-wracking to me uh, I come from a tradition that wouldn't even play music during communion because we said no we're concentrating uh, and and I understand that I understand the feeling Jesus wants personal contact and he wants contact within a greater community so we're not praying as loners here we are praying with the community in mind but no meanless repetitions. And I really want to talk to you about that, but just very briefly. My wife could probably sit down and write the prayer that I'm going to pray for our meal in the evening and not miss very much. Because my prayers are almost always the same. Why? Because I'm really grateful for the same things. I name each of the grands. I, need, I name our kids. I name the wonderful people they married. And I name our safe harbor. I name my mother. I've learned I need to name her mother and father too. I'd left them out a few times and she said, so um, I went, fair enough. And then I'm really done because that's my list is, is not Lord go out there and do this, but rather thank you for what you have done. Is it meaningless? No. Is it repetition? Yes. Hey, I've been married more than 44 years. I still tell her I love her. Is that repetition? She, she never goes, I know, I know. She doesn't know. Because she knows it's repetition, but it's meaningful. So don't be afraid to say the same thing at all. And that brings us to one of the most famous prayers of recent years. Now that the folly and furor of Jabez's prayer has died down. For those not in the know, Bruce Wilkinson wrote a prayer, uh, in, rather wrote a book in 2000 called the, bless, the, see, the, the prayer of Jabez breaking through to be blessed. And basically what it said is he found this little prayer in the Bible. And if you say it, basically God has to give you. I mean, this has to. And you're going to be blessed like crazy. Churches, grab this. There were seminars with this. And by the way, there still are. Uh, and a few people still, you can still buy the book. Um, it's still out there. But there is very, very little in common with that attitude and that little prayer and Jesus' prayer when he said, this is how you pray. So let's think about that prayer. Let's go, let's, in fact, instead of just thinking about it, may as well read it. It's short. 
I've, I've been in prayers that were long in public churches. There were times when I was a boy and they would name a certain person was going to pray and inwardly I would groan because this is going to take a while. And we're going to be praying for my uncle's third cousin's best friend what knew a fellow that shook hands with a guy that might be sick. And I can only care to the third remove. You know, after then I began to fuzz out a little bit. I timed one. I'm not proud of this. I timed one once at 12 minutes. And I even talked to God and I said, surely by that time you were asking to wrap it up. But God and I, I don't think God agrees with me on these matters. So let's look at this prayer. This then is how you should pray. That's what he said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, Luke adds a bit there. You know, for thine is the kingdom and the power. And Matthew drops it there because at that point, Jesus starts thinking about something and elucidates. We'll get to that. This is amazing. It's very low in drama. It's very low in fear. In fact, there is no fear there. When I read the Psalms, very important, the Psalms, they were the songbook and the prayer book for Jesus and for the people of Israel. And then I compare it to the Lord's Prayer. I'm stunned by not just the simplicity, but the complete lack of fear, anxiety, or you know, on my knees, anxious supplications. It's like, pray this way because you're in the family. Just talk to your father. Instead of the big drama, just talk to the Father. I find it amazing. This prayer is so short and so simple. What's going on here? I want to just look at the first two words, our Father. There, there is a, a, a current of thought that says that him saying our Father, there would have been gasp because the words he used were too familiar for most Jews to use. That may be true. I've had a good look over the years. Maybe that's something that uh, Rick and I can talk about on a Wednesday night when we get into that. Um, but I don't think I, the word have been gasped. I don't think so. In fact, I think we can find evidence that other Jewish prayers prayed Father. So let's start there and admit that there's a problem. There's a movement away from this phrasing among some theologians and some um, well-regarded ones are concerned. They're cautioning us against using the phrase, our father, because so many people had absent or abusive fathers. And they feel it conjures up negative imagery. And I have been told that in the counseling office by people who say, I, you know, every time I hear the word father, I think of... I, I understand. Uh, trauma is trauma. And we would never minimize your trauma. We cannot pretend that absent and imperfect fathers are, are not a problem. They're a, a, it's a horrific problem. Our society is far worse because we decided to abandon the man, woman, and children model uh, for whatever other model might be offered. But... To modify or reject this opening makes us lose the entire point of the prayer. 
we are, we are able to say, our father and a king listens. This is not like the kings that we're used to. King goes by in a grand procession. People are yelling, trying to get at their attention. You know, it's like kids at a Disney parade, you know. And, and, and a person turns their direction and going, oh, look, she waved at me. Oh, yeah, sure. Completely ignore the people behind us. Or like um, reporters at a press conference yelling at the president, trying to get an answer. No, that's not us. We don't have to do that to get the attention of our God. Elijah proved that on Mount Carmel. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Oh yeah, it's brutal. A lot of people die. Still, it'd be a great movie. Because all he does is ask God to do stuff. And God does it. The pagans are out there cutting themselves, screaming, yelling. All the way till nightfall and getting nothing. And Elijah, because he's Elijah, he's a little bit of a jerk. But I really like him. And maybe that's why. He's over there saying, you know, yell louder. He's probably asleep. He might have been going on vacation. And yet when it comes to his term, he just talks. We don't have to be afraid of our father. We don't have to yell at our father. We don't have to wonder, do I have his attention? Is God, to use a more modern metaphor, looking at his phone? I don't know how many times I've had people say, I just don't think that's important enough to bother God about. Really? You think he's that busy? You, you, got, a, you got a small God there. We need to open this up a bit more. We're not yelling. We're saying our father. That makes it personal and communal. Because we're not saying my father. It's our father. That means I got to treat everybody. Everybody I meet as a beloved daughter or son to the same father I have. Wipes out the prejudice and mistreatment. The drawing of lines about politics and, and economics or just your own preferences. We are saved, yes. And we're also saved in community. We need to remember that. So, instead of that, we say our father and we go quietly. Now, for those of you with missing or abusive fathers or whose fathers were emotionally distant, I'm going to ask you to do something very hard right now, but it's also very, very important. It's very, very therapeutic. And if your therapist has never asked you to do this, then I would go to them next time and ask them why. I would ask you to get out a sheet of paper and a pen and write down why you know they're missing or abusive. Why you know they did wrong through ignorance, neglect, or being evil. How do you know they weren't the perfect father? Now, first of all, I think you're going to have quite the list. I'm not doubting you've got a list. I think you've got a list. Write it all down there. In fact, I've had people respond to me very angrily when I've asked them to do that. I said, you can be angry, but just do the list, and then we're going to talk about it. You know why that list exists? Because they fell short of a standard that was built into your heart. You knew Fathers should behave this way, not that way. You knew good fathers would do this, not what happened to you. The standard that is built into your heart is built there by God the Father to remind you what a father should look like, act like, feel like, and be like. So when I say father, don't think of your imperfect one. Think of the one 
that has been built into your genes, into your brain, into your soul. Every miss of that is a sin. Well, that's what the word sin means. It means to miss a target. It was a sporting term originally. You, you pull back, you let the arrow go, misses the target. The miss was called a sin. And over the years, that became a sign of there is a standard. God created the standard. When you don't hit that, that is sin. So the reason you know your fathers were bad is because somewhere in you is a concept of a good father. Welcome home. You have a good father. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this prayer. But I'm going to ask you to do it in a different way. This is going to be a struggle for those that really struggle with prayer and those who love to pray for many hours at a time. I'm going to ask you not to do either of these. I'm going to ask you to set aside a week and do this. Day one, focus on our Father. That's it. Think about that phrase. Let it soak in. Repeat it to yourself as you walk around. As Deuteronomy 6, as you rise up, as you sit down, as you go out, as you lie down. Think about our Father. Just focus on that, realizing that the God of the universe is responding. I can remember staying with a friend once, and his beautiful little four-year-old girl was time for her bedtime, and he walked into her room with her, and they both got down on her knees, uh, on their knees, and this little precious girl uh, sat there. You know, she put her hands together like we teach kids to do, and she said a little prayer. And it's just stunned me once again that the creator of this massive universe that we see, that the web telescope is showing us more of every day, the creator of all of this has stopped to listen to her. Because he can do that. Because time is only linear to those of us that are in motion. I won't go any further than that because I get in trouble with people that don't want physics in sermons. Who are you people? Anyway, we, we are in motion, therefore time is linear to us. He is God. He is outside of that. He can spend eternity listening to the words of this one prayer. And he does. Blows your mind, doesn't it? But it's true. And then day two, you are ready. Hallow that name. Just think about that. I just, I just want to... Set that up for you. Day one, our Father, the fatherhood of God. Day two, hallowed be your name. And consider, perhaps, if your mind wanders, as mine usually does, how you might magnify the name of God. How you can honor the name of God. And then, day three, you can get the notes. They're in the description to remind yourself of this. Day three, your kingdom come. Spend a day looking intentionally through your eyes as kingdom eyes. As we talked about months and months ago about Daniel, he did so and he loved the very people that had brutalized him and taken him from his family and murdered many of his family because he looked at them with kingdom eyes. He could still keep his faith and change the course of history. Look at him with kingdom eyes. See where God's kingdom needs to come. Now, God is king. 
de jure, by law. But in many hearts and in many institutions, he is not yet king de facto. Look around and see where his kingdom needs to break in to this darkness and bring some light. And think about that that day. And yeah, you may even pray about that that day. And then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's an all day long. Just that. It gets your will out of the way. I can remember the first time a young man, uh, we were about to do a job, and he asked if we could pray first. I said, absolutely. Um, and he prayed first, which was really a bad mistake, because he took everything. I was, I was trying to remember, was, is there anything I can do? I, what do I do? Ditto God? Or um, you know, how do I handle this? But this young man was amazing. And one of the phrases he used has stuck with me through the years, and that is, God, help us get ourselves out of the way. Now, maybe that's not profound to you. Maybe you've heard that all your life. That was the first time I'd heard it, and it smacked me right across the forehead. Your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you noticed what's missing in that phrase and concept? Your will, my will. Frankly, when I wake up in the morning, you know what I really want? My will to be done in all things. I want this interstate to be clear today. Thank you, Lord. I plan to use it. I want to walk in and get food, and I do not want a line in front of me. <laughs> I did, I, if it was my will, I've, I've told people all my life, thank God that I'm not him. I would be such an abusive tyrant, and I, I think you would be too. You'd see people just randomly explode. And you might not know why, but I would. That's not correct. That is wrong. So I need to pray, your will be done. Yesterday, a couple of people wanted to talk to me when I had a lot of other things I needed to be doing. That phrase, your will be done, kept me rooted in place. One of them emailed me this morning and said, thank you for the silence. He said, I just realized that I babbled on and on and on, and you stood there quietly. And I'm, I wasn't sure whether the thank you was sarcastic or not, so I wrote back and said, it was a gift. I was quiet so I could listen, not break in, let you tell your story. So, yeah, sometimes just silence. The citizens of heaven are supposed to be preparing the earth for heaven and earth's reunification to bring heaven down, to storm the gates of hell. When I was a kid, that, when Jesus said you know, that this was the whole basis, his, his being the Son of God was the whole basis for everything, and he said, the gates of hell shall not withstand it, I always thought that meant hell can't beat us until I realized, wait a minute, gates aren't offensive weapons. We are offensive weapons. We're going to tear apart the gates of hell. Once you open up and tear apart the gates, the city is no longer a city. We are here to storm the gates of hell and establish heaven. Not with tanks and guns, but with love and sacrifice. And not our kingdom, but his kingdom. You see how this goes? Now, give us this day our daily bread. I'm looking up and I realize I've gone long. Sorry, I thought this would be simple and short. Uh, I find out sometimes it's only me that's simple and short. Give us this day our daily bread. Spend a day 
intentionally thinking about the blessings you've been given. Pay attention to them, as the old song says, name them one by one. And then, another day, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's an action item in there, isn't there? Oh my goodness. The word here, as, changes everything. Our prayers are never, bless us, smite them. Our prayers are, forgive us as we go about forgiving others. More on this in just a moment. And then the last, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That always bothered me a bit. Does God lead us into trouble? No. But it's certainly fine with us to ask God to keep us far from it. I've told God even recently, I think he has a higher, has a higher view of me than is warranted. Because he's told us he'll never give us something we can't handle. And I'm going, I think your view of my abilities is a bit uh, out of line here. Because I don't think I can handle this. And if you've never prayed like that, don't be afraid. He's your father. Talk to him. Meditating on a day, for a day, lead us not into temptation. will change the way you go through the day. There was a young couple came to my office. I knew them. They were young Christians in their late teens, um, faithful members of the church where I worked, I knew they were dating. And they came to my office and they said, we have a problem as we're dating and we want to talk to you. And of course, my first thought was all the tragedies that can occur. I said, yeah, what? He, they said, we're, we're tempted. And I was thinking, of course you are. You're gorgeous, both of you. I didn't say that out loud. Um, you don't want to ever go inside my head. You'd pay money to get out. On, you'd pay money for a map. Um, but they said, we don't want to sin. How do we not? I said, that's actually not, not hard. They said, wow. And I said, start every date with prayer. Praying that you will not be tempted to do wrong on this date. It's really hard to go from that to, you know, so start with the prayer. Lead me not into temptation. Let's say that the doctor had told me that I am um, pre-diabetic and I'm headed toward huge diabetes, heart disease, and the like. If I don't get some weight off, or a lot of skinny people have diabetes, don't change my diet and get the sugars out and such. And so as I'm going around the, the grocery store, Lord, help me to lose weight as I'm just sweeping in the Twinkie aisle, you know, and then the cakes and the pies and pie. Anyway, the pies and, and, and all the other. And I'm saying, lead me. It's hard to pray, Lord, help me make good choices while doing that, wouldn't it be? So that's what you focus on for a day. See how it changes that day. See how that might be valuable to bring back in every so often. Well, as we close, I just want to look at something very shocking. Verses 14 and 15. He says, if you forgive other people, they're forgiven. But if you don't, they're not. You have a responsibility to forgive. Because God, to him, forgiveness is a communal thing. You're in the family. Does the family forgive them, Patrick? My, how does that switch the day when you think about that? Patrick, how do you want, how do you want me to treat that person? Or the thing that happened to you, even if it was unjust and evil. What do you think I should do to that person who is somebody's child, somebody's mother or father? 
what do you think I should do? Um, there's a responsibility. When I was raised, they said, nobody can forgive sins but, but God. Yeah, um, but then God gave us not only the authority, but the requirement to forgive. Patrick, you really going to leave this without them being forgiven? You going to walk away from this without forgiving them? Hmm. Well, we forgive as we were forgiven, and he stops and says, and your job is to forgive. Meditate on that for a day. Maybe it'll help you walk lighter because you're not carrying everybody anymore. They don't get to live rent-free in your brain. You've forgiven them, and they're gone. You move along. Last night, I got a call from Bobby Hampton on death row in Louisiana State Penitentiary. We started off, Bobby's been depressed over some things, and he has every right to be depressed over them. Won't share them here. But Bobby's a great man of faith, and as we kept talking, I thought he had called me on one of the 10-minute calls that they're allowed. Evidently, we got on a 30-minute call. And by halfway through, he was encouraging me more than I was encouraging him, which is standard with Bobby and many of the men in prison. And then we started laughing and started talking about things. And by the end of the, we got the cut in from the recording, you have one minute. We were both able to say, I love you, brother. You got this. Because we learned to meditate on the right things together. If you need help, if you're one person watching this, please understand you're part of a community. You reach out to us. We'll help you. If I can get to you or one of our members can get to you, we'll get to you. And a lot, since we're scattered around, we, we pretty much can get to people. But when heaven comes down, glory fills our soul. We ought to be able to live out this prayer. Even if you're not good at praying, he gave you the how. And you can use these words. And then, just like it says on a shampoo bottle, lather, rinse, and repeat. And repeat. And repeat. Until it's what you do. It's who you are.